radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Puck down to Capital. Final second down overtime. Capital with Matthews. Gardner jumping in. Austin Matthews in shoots. Austin Matthews overtime winner. Where your head gets dizzy, can't get right But you push on through, don't be denied it Shake out those ghosts in every corner of this town From the clothes on your back to the color of your eyes Ain't no shame, it's some hand-me-down Thursday, February 14th, 2019. Happy Valentine's Day, you sexy people. I'm Bruce Pataglia of Puck77.com. You sexy people. You know it. You know, it's a good day. It's a good day to be single. It's a good day to be in love. You're single if you're listening to this. I can tell you that. Everyone, I think, wins on Valentine's Day. You know what I mean? Like, no? How? Well, I mean, what's wrong with being in love? Isn't it a good thing? You're in love. Yeah, I'm not celebrating <laughs> the day, I can tell you that. Well, because you're a busy guy. You're a busy guy, though. Yeah, you know. Is that why? I mean, like, the couples who care, they care for a reason. The couples who don't care, don't care for a reason. The couples where one of them cares and the other one doesn't about Valentine's Day, then what? Like, then fucking man up or woman up and tell the other one to fuck off. You know what I mean? Just get over it. It's Valentine's Day. Who cares? Like, it's just a day. Whatever. It's fine. I don't know. I think it's good. Good for people. They're in love. All right. Well. Isn't that good? Sure. (laughs) I'm James Uh, Cole, by the way. You are, you are celebrating, oh yeah, you're James Cole, Puck 77. Uh, You are celebrating Valentine's Day in a way because you are getting the hell out while the getting's good of Thunder Bay for Be- the weekend. Before I get to that, though, speaking of okay. Valentine's I did get an early Valentine's Day gift. Of Ooh. Um, although we agreed not to. Um, my girlfriend adopted a fox for me. Pardon me? Yeah. So, like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a father to a fox. I have a little pup. Why are you here? Shouldn't you be back? It's in the wild. It, keeping it from eating. Oh, okay. I'll never meet him. Oh, so you okay? But we've we've sponsored a. Fo- we own a fox. So we're, I'm a. I have a family now. You, no, you got it. Oh, fuck! How come you didn't tell me that when I penciled in all the, the time we had for tonight <laughs> that we were going to spend thirty minutes on foxes? Okay. So what I don't understand is. Where is the fox? Like, where is it? I get you don't have it, but like, where is it? It's uh, it, it's in the protection of the the WWF, the World Wildlife Foundation. Okay, and we just sponsor it. So how does that work though? Like, where is it? I don't. I know. still don't understand we how don't that know. works. There's no way. It's not in a pen somewhere. No, no. But it's if just... it's out in the wild, then how? Like. Clearly, to me, how this works is like there's, it's a pyramid scheme. There's just a fox out there. <laughs> And, like, they're just going to send you a picture of this one fox that they know. 
and just be like, yeah, Timmy's doing good this week. Is that, is, am I, am I catching this? It'd be great if, like, I met someone else that also sponsored a fox and we had the same photo of the same fox. Like, hey, wait a second, like, Spider-Man memes. I think what's awesome about your love for foxes, which, by the way, is James's favorite animal, if you haven't already gathered, is that I never knew you liked foxes until the last four months, and I feel like every single time I've seen you in the last four months, you've been in love with foxes. Like, you're not a bandwagon jumper on these foxes, are you? No. Like, okay, so here's something I've noticed about the way things have gone in my life the last few <laughs> few months, is that... By the way, we're not doing a hockey episode this week. <laughs> I got some shit to talk about. You people are going to sit down and listen. No, but like, for whatever reason, some personal details about my life have, have come to light to some of the people around me, and they just won't let it go. And now everyone that they know knows. Is it like that episode of Life in Pieces where they continue to get Heather Christmas presents with cherries on them? Because one time she ate a cherry, and now every Christmas, Christmas yeah, present she gets for like 35 years is Except a it's, it's like cherry three or four pajamas. different things all at the same time. Okay. And now people won't let it go. It's like, I've liked foxes since I was eight years old. That's fine. But only recently have people started making a big deal about it because the wrong person found out... And now the rest of the world knows, and it's like, couldn't we have just lived our lives with me admiring a simple creature of the Northwest, and no one being the wiser? I feel like a lot of people don't even pick a favorite animal either. Like, I feel like people just kind of go through their lives without having a favorite animal. It's like, here we are. Like, mine's penguins, but no one cares. So I've never been made fun of that. Okay, now... That raises a question because sure. I've seen a fox. Yeah. What? Why would you like? You've never seen a penguin, have you? Sure, I have. I just like penguins. I think they're interesting. Uh huh. Fascinating. They seem like majestic creatures. Happy Feet. Terrible movie, but I enjoyed it. Well, you, know, you see, the only problem with penguins, and we'll get to this later, is that they're prone to swinging sticks at you when you're, you know, not paying attention. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I know one place you're not going to see foxes or penguins, which is Toronto, which is where you're going this weekend. That's true, that's true. Uh, Jimmy's hitting the big city. T.O. What's, uh, so what's what's the plan? Like, walk us through your weekend plans. This is, this is a totally in shambles, uh, uh, development of, of six people going down with no idea what's happening, except that at some point we're going to show up to Scotiabank Arena on Saturday night and see the Arkells, and... Aside from that, I know when my plane lands, I know when my plane leaves, and everything else is kind of up in the air. So, I'm hitting Harvey's, I can tell you that. Jesus Uh, Christ, fuck. I don't know. That's, yeah. See, I really wish we had a Harvey's here. Yeah. So that way, every time you go out of town, that doesn't need to, like, immediately take up four hours of the limited time you have out of town. Because, like, we'll go to Winnipeg, and it's like, we're there for 48 hours, max. It's like, well, when are we hitting Harvey's? I don't know, can't we just go somewhere else for a change? No, I gotta go to Harvey's. Yeah, you're not wrong. I wish we just had one here and you could just have it and then we don't need to worry about it going out of town. It'd be like me going out of town, I don't need to have A&W. You my, know what I mean? Uh, my grandmother got me a, a gift card, which I think she thought was gonna go towards, like, Montana's or Kelsey's, but little does she know, one of the options is Harvey's. How do you so. spend $20 at Harvey's? I'll, I'll, I'll buy my lady friend... You know, lunch and... Holy fuck. Yeah. Well, she's a lucky woman that she gets to go to Harvey's for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, now, I do have a little quiz for you. 
I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Because you did mention that you were going to see the Arkells. I, I am, yes. So I thought... Put your laptop down. <laughs> it's not going to be that easy of a quiz. If you do go right. 10 out of 10, good for you. But uh, no, I thought I would quiz you the... Uh, I'm going to give you 10 Arkells lyrics. Ooh. And I want to see if you can tell me what song they're from. Nice. Now, some of them are, are pretty well-known songs. Some are going to be a little bit deeper in the album. What I was going to do was give you ten lyrics and you tell me if it's Arkells or not. But I felt like you would be able to hear an Arkells lyric and know it's an Arkells lyric. Okay. I more so want to know if you can tell me what song it is. Because I feel like you're either going to get like two out of ten or like ten out of ten. That's like, I think it's That's So fair. I'm going to say... Because it's still not an easy one, so I'll stay. I'll still say. What do you think? Six or seven's fair? Six and a half. Let's go. Let's you'll play the play the odds. All right. So seven's a pass. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna get half a point for ah, a song. That's true. There's no way it's from two songs. I don't think. <laughs> like, there's not many songs that double up for the Arkells. No. Okay. So are you are you ready? Are you I ready am, to I'm play? Ready. I'm ready. Play. The rally cry. The rally cry, I guess. I don't know. Okay, number one. There's no time for loving in the summer in the city. There's only room for the sweaty. Oh, the boss is coming. Okay, now I figured I would set you up with a little bit of a softball there. You're one for one. That's fair. Lob it in. Okay. You walked into the room like it was some kind of movie. Systematic. Now... I'm annoyed with myself because I thought when I was thinking about this today that I changed it to a different lyric from Systematic, mm. and I never did. Okay. So I understand why you got that one, too. But good job. No, that's thank still, you. That's thank still you. pretty good. Thank you. Okay. All right. I didn't put my money on it, but I was hoping that you would be here. 11-11. That is from 11-11. You're three for three. Thank you, sir. You're an Arkell's master. Oh, I even you. say you don't even need to go see them. Oh wow! You just know Fuck them me. so I'll well. Stay here, <laughs> sure, and <laughs> fucking work all week. Yes. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> You're three for three. Thank you. Thank you. But talk about Chemical Valley, like you never seem to care. Hmm. Whistleblower. That's from Where Are You Going. Oh. Same album. All right. But different song. Okay. You're three for four. Okay. Still pretty good. You and me got to the bottom of everything. You and me drinking from the fountain of youth. Oh, man. I grew up on the wrong side. Uh... The wrong side of Detroit City. That's right. Saturday night. That's from Saturday Which night. Which is the night I'll be seeing the Arkells. That's true. Yes. Oh, so you, it's good you know the lyrics because they will be singing that song. Uh, yes. And I'm sure it will be a good time. Yeah. You're four for five. Yeah. Okay, number six. Do you rehearse what you'd say if our eyes were to meet? Okay, this is off, uh, this is off Morning Report. This is uh, giving James, James a quiz here. Juno Award winning the Arkells. For our American friends that are not familiar with the Arkells. Juno is a Canadian music award. Come Back Home. That's from Come Back Home from Morning Report. You're five for six. Thank you, thank you. Uh, two, two more for a pass? So we said seven. I yeah, think. let's Can do seven. Right. I'm on a roll here. So. All right. You're my library, always open for business. Book club. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't know how hard I thought these mm. were last night, yeah, but right. six for seven. 
This is for the win here, potentially. Oh, nice. Three opportunities. Nice. All right. For a second there, I felt peace and calm. The underpass would keep us from harm. That's right. It's been a tough go lately. Come to light. You have passed the Arkells quiz there, sir. You are seven for eight. Let's see. Let's see if we can get these other two. Because I don't. I don't think these are easy ones. All right. Either. All right. I'm looking for an A here. You know, I I need an A. I haven't had an A on a quiz yet. So let's let's do this. You're up in Berlin at eight at eight a.m. I'm in Montreal, still going strong. Yeah, that is uh, from the new album. Said if I don't got you, I don't got nothing. It's true. Um, it's my favorite song on yes, the album. For yes, sure. it is a, a YouTube vibed song. Nice. Um, Got to get the entire title right. If you get a word wrong, you're you're you lose. Get out of my house. Show me. Don't tell me. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You're eight for nine. Beautiful. Can you go nine for ten? That'd be pretty That's impressive. That's the dream. That's the dream. That is really. the dream. That's what we all strive for. Yeah. Long as they're legit, the cops aren't telling. Champagne socialist. No. Yeah. That's uh, that's from Ty Cats or Humming. <laughs> nice. Go, I had to. Go Ty Cats. I had to throw a wrench in there. That's fair. I figured you would have passed by that point, yeah. so you're good. All right. Okay, well, nice. eight for ten. Thank you. Good for Jimmy. Thank you. And uh, in the spirit of the Arkells, the Arkells are hockey fans, and uh, they are Leaf fans, and we're going to talk about a former coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, as much as I'd rather not revisit that era of history. Uh, we'll get into our hockey talk this week. Randy Carlisle, fired as the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks. Now, here's a question I have to ask you. And I think we're we're pretty level-headed guys. We can decide between the two of us, you know, who wins this. Who hates Randy Carlisle more? Is it you or me? Hmm. Well, I can say that you did not attend his second last game as a Leaf head coach. So, you know, in that regard, no. maybe I hate him more because I sought out to witness the end. I might have seen a Peter Horacek game, though. I'm not going to lie. That's rare. I'm just thinking about that now. You're in the minority, for sure. I, I, don't, I don't know who was coaching that team that I saw. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's tough. Because, like, I think you have a rooting interest in Anaheim for some reason. So, like, maybe you hate him more because he's I like Anaheim. two of your teams, in a sense. Yeah, I like I just, them. I hate Anaheim. So That's fair. It's funny to me watching them implode. Yeah. So, it's probably you. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, regardless, I'm happy for every member of the Anaheim Ducks. Happy for their fans. I'm happy for the NHL. Uh, sure, honestly, because this is only better for a, a playoff race in which there are teams that have no business being in the race, uh, and there's a team in last place that probably, in most years, that roster would have some business being in the race. They're not even close. Better or worse? Randy Carlyle or Ron Wilson? Oh, I thought you were going to say or Bob Murray, because that even would have been close. Bob Murray with no head coaching experience. Um, worse in general? As a coach. Randy Carlisle. Okay, good. Like, not in the sum of their career, just who's worse at coaching. Yeah. Oh, like, Randy Carlisle, If you put them on a bench today. Hands down. Yeah. Well, today, well, Ron, Ron Wilson's, you no, know, that's why I asked. has some health issues, and 
Yeah. Is oh, I'm well aware. Well older. So, uh, all that taken into account. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know. I'll, I'll just tell you this. If I'm playing on the Anaheim Ducks, I'd rather have Bob Murray behind the bench than fucking Randy Carlyle, that's mm. for sure. Okay. So I think that's a win there. Close for enough. Them, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's this was a long time coming. There was no doubt that this should have been done a long time ago. Now it is done, and now the Ducks can kind of move on. Um, but how painful or quick the process is going to be now, I don't know. Yeah. Because John Gibson was not playing well. Now he's hurt, or so they say. Uh, he's nowhere close to coming back, or so they say. Um, you know, you've got Ryan Kessler sucking up minutes on your second line. Now, hopefully with Bob Murray in, you can move him down the depth chart, give him less minutes. Move better, younger players into the lineup to kind of try to make this work. I mean, like a guy I would consider moving is Silverberg, but whether or not they do, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think we were calling for this before Christmas, I want to say. Before the All-Star break, uh, you and I had a game-by-game breakdown as to whether or not he would make it into the All-Star break, not mm. past the All-Star break. And okay. our thoughts were both no. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't understand what they were thinking that they were getting out of him. Like, no. No. And I mean, like, it's one thing if you're kind of desperate and you want to try to force something that was there before. You know what I mean? And you make that desperate move. But, like... Randy Carlyle has coached, like, four of the worst teams in the last 15 years with decent rosters. Like, he's undercoached these teams, and you see it all the time where there's teams in the league that do well with an average roster, and then, like, a mediocre roster, even some of them can find ways to win. But Randy Carlyle's entering these seasons with fucking playoff potential rosters. He can't even barely get them above 500. He can't get them to allow less than 40 shots a night. He can't get them to shoot more than 20 shots a night. He can't get them to have the puck more than 35% of the fucking game. In a league where possession is everything, and you've got these big body guys that are hard to knock off the puck, how do, how is it possible you have the puck so little? How can you defend so bad in your own zone, so bad in the neutral zone, be so bad with the puck the odd times you actually get it? Their leading scorer has, what, 36 points this year? That's, it's not good. That's more than I would have thought. It's uh, they, I know they have the lowest leading scorer in the league, for sure. I know that for sure. It's brutal. It is. And and I, honestly, it does pose the question, where do you go from here? Like, Obviously, they're going to they're gonna roll with Murray, I would assume. Like, yeah. They're in last place. There's really nothing to well, gain by rushing out and replacing. The thing with Bob Murray, too, and the thing with the Ducks is the Ducks don't want to waste money that they've already wasted, too, or, or waste more money on top of it, I mean. So they're not going to go out and hire the wrong guy or force a hire because they feel they need a coach. Like, honest to God, a guy to fucking open the benches and set the lineup card is what they fucking need right now. If a guy hops into their lap and he's the right guy, if they decide tomorrow Quenville's a good fit and he decides he wants to go there, good for him. Uh, you know, Todd McClellan, uh, Elaine Vigneault, if they want to... Like, I mean, I, I guess the only option would have been maybe to give Paul McLean the reins because he's already on the bench. Is he not? He's still there, I believe. I, I thought he left. But okay. I, I could be wrong. Uh-huh. I thought he quit on Carlisle. That's mint. Last year. Oh, I love yeah. Paul McLean. We should get him on the podcast to now, fucking dish out about Randy. 
you do know who their AHL coach is. Uh, it's still Dallas, isn't it? Yeah. Eakins? Is yeah. he a guy that could make a jump again? Yeah, but I think it's worth... I think, I think you owe it to him. And granted, we've been talking about him being an NHL coach for like 10 years and it still hasn't happened. Granted, I do think he is a guy that you owe it to him to let him finish the year in the AHL because he would be nowhere prepared to take over this team. And this team is nowhere even like... They're, say what you want. They're still going to be a little shattered regardless of who's coaching them. They're not a team that's ready to like put the pieces back together and be hurt again. You know what I mean? Like They're going to take some time to reshape because they have been playing into bad habits for years. And they're professional yeah. hockey players. But you're going to have to go through tens and tens if not hundreds of hours of game tape oh, no. to show yeah. them what you've been doing wrong for years even if they know it they need to still see some of this it's going to take forever to to fix these mistakes the best possibility is almost all like to like rehabilitate these players <laughs> and send them to rehab to be like no, it's no, gonna be okay. No. Like here, like in October, we're gonna, but we're gonna take it one day at a time and just show them like what went wrong, explain it to them, and then yeah. I mean, they know. Yeah, no, but like, I, I, I didn't intend to suggest that Eakins would come up this no. season. moving forward. Oh, you know, next, yeah, next, next well, season. Fuck, maybe. I, I think that'd be a really good move. But I mean, what are you gonna do? Eakins has been kind of for I don't know who Dallas Eakins pissed off because he seems like the nicest guy ever too but I don't know who he pissed off that this guy just has, never gets an opportunity in the NHL I mean he probably didn't piss anyone off he keeps coaching in the American Hockey League he's close enough to the NHL but still like I don't know how this guy hasn't had another opportunity because he 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 got an opportunity in Edmonton but you could argue it wasn't even an opportunity wasn't really fair, because yeah. like they just kind of threw him into the fire much like the Oilers sort of threw Ken Hitchcock in but at least Hitchcock was yeah, probably willing but not as stupid to do it this year. Like Dallas Eakins was just like, "Ooh, shiny new job! Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna take it." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the fit is there. There seems to be a lot of support for what Dallas Eakins can do. He's he's done a good job in San Diego. Um, he's been a NHL potential coach for probably at least ten years now. I would think. So, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's odd that he hasn't had a, a second opportunity in the league. And NHL is kind of funny when it comes to this stuff. You have you have one bad stumble, and sometimes it, it can take you a little while to get back on the horse uh, and, and find somebody that's willing to give you a shot and that that kind of opportunity. And I think he's close. I still think there's a few names ahead of him, and that's part of the problem, maybe. But in terms of you know, like he's still young. He, he's got a long career ahead of him. You know, and if if you want to bring in a veteran guy, say like Vigneault or Hitchcock, and you know turn the reins over to someone like that, that's understandable to a degree. Like Dallas Eakins has got another ten years ahead of him before you get to that stage of your career, right? But the problem is, is that guys like Vigneault and guys like Hitchcock were coaching at that age and you know building uh-huh. that resume, so it's tough. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I mean. The good news is for Anaheim, and I think this is this is a great move. Like this is great. This is maybe they they might make the playoffs. I don't want to give Ducks fans any hope or anything, but like they might make it now because I literally think that was the biggest obstacle standing between them and a playoff spot. The next biggest now is the fact that your starting goaltender is who is in net tonight. Any idea? Chad Johnson. 
Is it or is it that backup they threw in? Oh, I don't when know. Johnson they're, got pulled. Their backups, Peter Boyle, former star of Everybody Loves Raymond, or something like that. Yeah. R.I.P. in peace. R.I.P. in peace yeah. to a great actor, Peter Boyle. <laughs> All right. Well, from from the honors of Peter Boyle to the stick swinging shenanigans. Yeah, you maybe you should lead us in here on on Gino. Jesus. What are your th- <laughs> What are your thoughts on uh, on old Gino boy? I have been losing more and more respect for this guy each passing season, and. I've I've lost about all I had left. I don't. He is like got to be counting his stars. The the fact that he only got one game. He didn't even care. No. Did you see that? Yeah. He didn't even care. He thought I, he thought I didn't this, take his head off. He thought this thing was funny. Like he first off he said I barely even hit him or whatever he said, and then secondly he posts a picture the next morning. He's playing fucking COD and he thinks it's funny or whatever. He's playing some sort of video game I've never heard of. I I hope he goes back to the KHL. Like see you. Have a nice career. Ooh, Fuck off. Jesus. Like, I don't, She's I don't understand loop. why, like this guy is taking this so lightly. I don't understand why he can't understand what he did. Might be a little wrong. I'm not saying that what you know Raffle was doing at the time was no, right. No, I don't think anyone's making that argument. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna try to piss a guy off. Uh, that's the leading scorer right there. If you're gonna try to piss a guy off, I mean, look like you you know, you want the bull, you're gonna get the horns. But like sure. the horns. If the horns kill the guy the horns, in the china shop, the hor- then yeah, the horns should. The bull's getting put down. This analogy's already gone off the rails. the The bull shouldn't swing a machete over its shoulder at you. It yeah. should turn around and run at you with the horns. No, sure. I don't know that. Uh, yeah, listen, man. There, there's nothing that I have less respect for in the game of hockey. L- probably, like, and probably nothing. I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Than a guy swinging a stick at another guy's head. Even if he turned around, lined up his ankles, and took a chop at him, I'm not saying I would think he's in the right, <laughs> but at least I think you're not trying to murder the guy. Trying to hit him in the head. Like, so what? You didn't hit him. What if you did? What if you fucking, like, literally this might sound a little crazy, but think about it for a second. What if you fucking killed Michael Raffle there? Yeah. What if you hit him in the head sure. in such a way that you put him in the co- in a coma and he never fucking recovered? What is funny about that? Like, no, I didn't hit him. But, like, you tried that's not to. the point. That was the, the intent. The point is that there is an argument to be made that even thinking you can do something like that is you should get kicked out of the league. The problem is guys have done this before and only a few of them have been kicked out of the league for it. So, like... Now, it looks like it's not that big a deal, because you're going to go on precedent, you're going to get lawyers involved, you're going to get arbitrators involved, and the argument is going to come around, and precedent's going to come back up, and you're never going to be able to kick a guy out of the league for it. But the argument is that, you know, if it weren't a sport, and you did that on the outdoor rinks, some might call that attempted murder, or assault. Yeah. It's a sport, I get it, but you kind of tried to kill the guy. Yeah, no, kind of. Uh, like I grant, I get it that that probably wouldn't have ended up happening, but it's not that far not off. The, yeah, from that's it. not the point. It's not yeah. that far off. Yeah. It's not that far off from being Chris Simon. It's not that far off from Ryan Holweg. It's not that far off from Marty McSorley. He really did something dangerous there, and as a Geno guy, I 
can't support anything like that because I don't think there is anything I've ever seen in the game of hockey that I hate more than that. I'd rather Brad Marchand running around licking guys. Uh, I'd rather Yarko Rutu biting dudes. I'd rather that kind of shit, man. Yeah, 100%. Because the stick swinging to me is the most disgusting thing in the league. Mm-hmm. And until we see a guy go full Happy Gilmore and try to stab a guy with his skate, that's going to be the ugliest thing in the league. Yeah, and I, I don't get what the league thinks. Oh, you didn't like the Happy Gilmore reference. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay pissed off. I'm trying to be mad. <laughs> to, mm, yeah. Don't make me laugh. Yeah. Um, like, and what what is the league trying to say by only giving him a game too? Like, I think there's a lot of fault here for the league. Like, yeah, I don't I mean, care it if it's a tough I one. I don't but... care if it's Evgeny Malkin and he's playing for your fucking wow. beloved Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. that you want to carry you off into the the stratosphere of entertainment greatness. Like, toss the fucking book. Twenty five games. See ya. I don't want to see you again until next September. Bye. Yeah, I mean, there's there's precedence for, for 25 games. I mean, uh, look, the biggest thing is intent. That's one thing that they're going to look at. Intent. Well, the intent was there. Yep. Pro- prior record, it's there. Not yeah. that serious, but sure. it's there. Yeah. Um, you know, he's had hearings before. He's been suspended before. To me, I don't really understand how he gets away with one game. You know, I, I get it's tough. Um, What's tough about it? I mean, like, look, and it's going to be the bullshit argument. I'm not saying it's right, but the bullshit argument is going to be he didn't literally line him up and tee up his fucking head the way Chris Simon did. But, I mean, it still goes to me in the way of intent where he still swung at his head. Yeah. He still swung at his head. So, to me, I don't understand what the difference is. But that's, I guess, going to be the principal argument is it's different in that sense. I just, I, it's not far off. I don't know about 25 games. I mean, look, if I, if it was up to me, you'd get double that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think... I don't think t- giving him 10 and probably having it fucking lifted to 5 is unfair. I think 1 is really light. Mm, yeah, and, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? We this, are... Uh, this franchise. We, I got to gotta interrupt here, too, before we get to our next topic. The, uh, the Anaheim Ducks... During Bob Murray's coaching debut, are bringing out the cast of the Mighty Ducks. I think. See, you know what's going to be amazing about this is like the only two guys I remember from that movie are Goldberg and Keenan Thompson, and neither of them are going to be there. Keenan Thompson, or sorry, Goldberg's in jail. Keenan Thompson's got a job to do. You know. Where's uh, Where's Emilio? I can't. He's probably got other things to do, too. She's looking all right. Nice. I remember him. Do you? Bash Bros, buddy. I don't remember any of these people. Oh, yes. Figure skater. I thought he said Justin Long. I was like, (laughs) wait. Justin Long's in Mighty Ducks? He looks like he could play right now. Do you think do you think Emilio's there? No way, eh? You could make the argument that you could put these guys on the ice now and they might be able to compete against like Randy Carlisle's ducks. No Emilio, no Keenan Thompson, and obviously no Goldberg. So he had a uh, he has a court hearing in the morning. 
Um, what's next on the docket? What do we got here? What's uh, what's going on? We got ooh, l'habitant. Uh, we don't talk about l'habitant much on the uh, podcast because, uh, my opinion, there's not much worth talking about. But hey, you know what? This, French, so. this is interesting. Yeah. True. I will. Uh, I will now uh, try to say the trade in French. Uh, voulez-vous dans salle de glace champignon? The Habs uh, traded David Schlemko and Byron Fraze to the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for Dale Weiss and defenseman Christian Folin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then, a few days later, acquired Nate Thompson from the Los Angeles Kings. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so, I think there is a pretty <laughs> strong chance Bob Murray's coaching an <laughs> NHL game. I'm sorry. I can't talk about other things having Bob Murray in the fucking background of my, like, should we just do a movie commentary of this game and then just not talk about anything else hockey related? <laughs> That's crazy, man. Like, do you think he's ever coached, like, this, this is his kids' right? team? Yeah. Is Berkey going to be doing some analysis later? Fuck. They should put him <sighs> behind the That's prime time right there. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, yeah. If 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 Berkey's doing this, we will pause our top ten later to uh, to get to that. But anyway, no. So my thought with the Habs moves is that I do think that there's something to be said for bringing a guy like Dale Weiss back in. I'm not saying it's a great move. I actually think it's kind of a bad move. But what's going to inevitably happen here is Dale Weiss is probably going to come in once he gets into his games. He's probably going to score like six goals the first. 11 games and everyone's going to be like, oh, Dale Weiss is back or something like that. Or maybe even six goals in less than 11 games. Um, By the time the playoffs come around, I find it hard to believe Dale Weiss will be in the lineup. I think it's a very short-term resurgence he'll probably have here and then he's going to struggle because he was struggling to make the Philadelphia Flyers and the Flyers, eh, their fourth line's comparable to Montreal's. So... I don't really think that it's going to be that much better. Now, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, Dale Weiss had a lot of success in Montreal. He's been a fan favorite for a long time. Um, You know what? I think that is going to help. For me, though, where we're at is they moved a useful defenseman and a very similar forward for a very overpaid forward in Dale Weiss and a much worse defenseman in Christian Follin because I would have David Schlemko on my team over Christian Follin any day of the week, for sure. I don't even think they're comparable. The Flyers just got Schlemko'd. They did. Yeah. Good for the Flyers. I actually really do like that move for the Flyers. Why Why the hell not? You get a depth forward, and you get a defenseman who's better than anything that you have sitting in your bottom pairing right now. Yeah. So you put Schlemko in, and it's, it's a good addition, I think. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Like, Montreal, there's a familiarity aspect you alluded to, and... Maybe a guy like that wants to play for your team in the playoffs more oh, so than so. Byron Fraze would want to play for your team in the playoffs. Oh, he's, but he's a Toronto boy. He's going back to the yeah, Marlies. Nice. He's going to lead the Marlies to a Calder Cup. You heard it here first. Back to back. Yeah. Nice. Welcome um, home. Yeah, I don't know. Come I, just, in I, home. I don't think it's Come in. It, it's not a move that needed to be made. I no. I just I don't know. Unless I, there's something more to come down the road that this I don't know. adds up. 
Like, I think it was Bergevin didn't want to let Weiss go in the first place, and now he had an opportunity to get Weiss back, and he took it. Yeah. I really don't think there's much else to it. I think Weiss is going to be... I think he thinks Weiss is going to be what he was in Montreal, but Weiss is a shell of his former self, at least based on what he showed us uh, at this point of his career. So, I, I don't know. I honestly hope he does well, because even as much as I don't like Montreal... I did kind of like how kick-ass Dale Weiss was there because I think he deserved it. I think he fought for a long time to get an opportunity in the NHL, and it was cool to see him do what he did in Montreal, but I uh, don't think it's going to work out that well. Well, wh- wh- whether whether it works out or it doesn't, at least we're all a little Weiser for the experience. What word was that supposed to be? Wiser. Wiser. Okay. Um, the Habs also acquired uh, Nate Thompson. Now... I I I kind of want to criticize the move, but like the trade was just for you who are who are not familiar with it. It was a fourth round pick for Nate Thompson and a fifth round pick. <laughs> so the Habs almost got a guy for free because the Habs will likely be in the back half of one round and the Kings will be in the front half of the other round. Yeah, you're moving down like ten spots. Yeah, so. To me, that's a pretty good move. <laughs> like, the the funny thing is about it, though, and, and this was the, my takeaway from it, is, you know, I saw the move and I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, you can always use more help at center. Nate Thompson kind of sucks. I saw a tweet that apparently, like, again, I'm pretty sure it was from dailyfaceoff.com, which we talked about last week on the show. Is like this website that accumulates a bunch of different stats and, like, uses Corsi and Fenwick and all these things and kind of compiles you and ranks you in the league based on your total value. It essentially gives players, like, a wins above replacement, but instead it just kind of ranks them according one to another. And Nate Thompson is technically the second worst player in the National Hockey League after Cody McLeod. Nice. So Go Habs. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like he's not overly useful. He's a good uh good at faceoffs. Apparently he's a good teammate. He's a average speed to below average speed, not a lot of size. Can't score. He's depth, I guess you didn't have yesterday. And you only downgraded like fourteen picks maybe for it, so kind of a weird move. Yeah. Um Hard but to complain. It, it sort of brings me to my focal point of why I'm bringing these two trades up. Are they pulling a uh, Andreas Martinson at the deadline, Dwight King at the deadline sort of thing again, where like Mark Bergevin's just going to bring in like the worst depth pieces he can find? Oh, I naturally assumed that's what was happening. <laughs> I, like that's No, that's 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 it. Do right? you think Cody McLeod maybe makes the jump well, no. over from Nashville? Oh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It's it it baffles me. It baffles me. He is one of the strangest general managers. It's it's like it's like we're all so stupid that he knows way more than we do. He's the kind But of... he doesn't have success to equate it, but he's also not dumb enough for us to say that he's like an idiot. You know what he would do at this point? He's the kind of GM that would like go out and find a way to acquire Corey Perry and give up the farm to get him because he thinks that he needs the toughness in the playoffs of Corey Perry, whose knees, may I add, are about the strength of a 75-year-old's. So, 
You know whose knees are good, though? Ryan Kessler's. Okay, well, that's... Yeah, that's... <laughs> you need help at center ice. Yeah. Ryan Kessler is a number one center is there anything left in 2011. Like, is there anything left upstairs to play with there? Because the Ooh. knees work, but I don't know if the signal's getting down to them properly. Um, well, it's because they get lost in that prosthetic hip that ah, he has. Yes. So, basically, it works like a satellite dish, right? Because there's so much metal in that hip... That the signal's coming down, and then it kind of like this, it kind of hits can't something. Feel a thing, yeah, but if I get hit, roll my hairline, I just you know that metal plate in my head. Ah, how can I forget? I had to have it replaced because every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. So over at the VA, they had to replace it with a plastic one, and it ain't as strong. Um. Okay. Well. So anyway. Do you think the Habs are worse or better having made these trades? Or it, any different at all? It greatly depends on what Claude Julien does with the lineup each night. I mean, that is another thing, and I will say this, man. Like, holy shit, has Claude Julien probably going to get underappreciated for this work this year? Yeah. Because you got a guy like Barry Trotz who's taken, like, I don't know, the Islanders and Habs are comparable, but the Islanders are having a much better year. He took you got John Cooper, who's having arguably the best season that any team's ever had, ever. And then you've got Bill Peters, who's improved the Calgary Flames from being a no-doubt non-playoff team to now being a arguable Stanley Cup favorite. Uh, and Claude Julien's lost in the shuffle here. And Claude Julien has the Montreal Canadiens like, in the conversation of the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning. They're knocking on the door and really bothering on the, door. the Boston Bruins. No, I didn't I didn't oh, include that one. Sorry. No. Okay. Yeah, like he's done such a good job with the Canadians. He he's going to get no love. Like I really would be shocked if he gets a Jack Adams nomination at this point. There's still a lot of season left. They could easily fall out of this race. They could easily really do some damage to the Boston Bruins and the Leafs, I guess, actually. They're right there, too. So, I, I don't know, man. Like, he's going to he's gonna get no love for the season. This team's going to get no accolades for what's going to be, at this point, I'm willing to admit, like, they are, look like a pretty good hockey team. Because the Leafs beat them on Saturday night, and I thought the Leafs played pretty good, but it was a close game. Yeah, no, they've, they've turned some heads, and I wouldn't count them out by any stretch, but... If they keep making moves like this, these, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to get because you shouldn't try to fix it because it's working. So just fuck off for a bit. and Yeah. 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 I don't know. We should uh, see if Bergerman wants Ron Hainsey try and protect Mike Babcock from himself. Uh-huh. Get Hainsey off the ice. Yeah. We should have traded him for Schlemko. I'd rather David Schlemko. All right. No? Well, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> he could skate better. <laughs> I can confirm that for sure. All right. All right. Um, moving along, it's kind of more of a bizarre hockey story of the week. It seemed to be a happy story briefly, I guess, if you're an idiot. But um, the Vancouver Canucks had their young 19-year-old goaltender Mikey DiPietro make his NHL debut on Monday night. Which, yeah, good yeah, for Mikey. Sure. Do, does Vancouver not have any AHL goalies? No. Uh-huh. That's why I brought this up. 
I see. So the Vancouver Canucks, uh, well, I'll get there. So I'll go chronologically here. The Canucks started DiPietro on Monday night against the San Jose Sharks. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're pretty aware. The San Jose Sharks are the second best team in the National Hockey League. And uh, they absolutely destroyed Mikey DiPietro on Monday night. Um, I think seven goals. So, Tuesday, the Vancouver Canucks uh, made a move and traded for Merrick Mazanik from the New York Rangers for a seventh-round pick. Okay. How on earth do you not find a way to get a deal done for a seventh-round pick for a Merrick Mazanik type on Sunday so that we don't have to throw a 19-year-old goaltender in the net at home on very little notice? Because like Markstrom's Jeff Gorton thought it'd be funny. <laughs> but they couldn't have found someone else. Like there's like the, look at the Flyers. The Flyers have like Calvin Pickard in the uh, East Coast. Well, I'd, not Calvin I'd, Pickard. I'd run. But like, I'd run the dice with Dipietro. My problem is though is I, I just like I think you know he's arguably not ready. You know you're playing the San Jose Sharks. You're in a playoff race. Like whether or not you want to take that race seriously. Like look, you're there. I don't know how. They managed to make it... Like, look, they should have made this move a month ago. Because a month ago, when Mike McKenna... If you remember Mike McKenna... uh, Got claimed off waivers. They had to recall Thatcher Demko. And even in that moment, it was like... Should you have to recall Thatcher Demko? Like, shouldn't recalling Thatcher Demko be a decision? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you have so little goaltending depth? You just traded Anders Nilsson. You had goaltenders. And you just keep fucking moving them out. Well, then move one back in. Find a find a goaltender. Sign David fucking Abisher to play in that. To sit on the bench. So you at least don't have to worry about putting Mikey DiPietro to get lit up for seven fucking goals on home ice in his debut. Who, who was the backup that night? To DiPietro? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Markstrom and he was just going to be incapable of playing. But mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah. Because they they were at the point, right? Like, Demko's out. Markstrom was hurt, but he wasn't going to be ready. Like, I think De- like Markstrom was there, but it was just like he was never going to get in that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I could be wrong, though. They might, if anything, it was an emergency backup because they didn't have anyone on the roster. Gotcha. So, to me, I don't think Jim Benning has been terrible lately. I think he's made some decent moves. Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel aside... But I have no idea how you have a month to find anyone. Like, the Leafs got Michael Hutchinson for nothing. They didn't even really need Hutchinson. They just got him. Yeah. There are goaltenders out there, man. You can fucking call Steve Mason at home and ask him if he can suit up as an emergency backup. Is he going to say, or like, you know what I mean, for the rest of the year, like sign him for the rest of the season? Give him an opportunity in Utica. Like, why not? Sure. Yeah. That's just, like, maybe he's doesn't want to go. Maybe he's in the KHL, for all I know. There are guys that are literally sitting out there doing nothing. That would be a smarter option than throwing a 19-year-old future of your franchise in that. Where's Dan That's Kusha? my thought. What's that guy doing? I don't know. Should we Google it? No, I don't know. Where in the world is Dan Cloutier? I don't know. I don't know where Dan Cloutier is. Yeah. But... Arguably, it makes more sense than putting in your 19-year-old goaltender, I think. 
Yeah. I and I mean, hindsight's like, twenty Vegas twenty. Did it but last like, year, I, I don't know. Like Vegas did it last year, but Jay, uh, who was the kid's name? I can't remember. I wanted to say Jake Patterson, but that's not Jake Patterson. Jake Patterson was the the world junior goalie in like twenty eleven. Yeah, it was Patterson though, wasn't it? Blake, Jake, Jake Patterson, Jake. I just said Jake Patterson. Yeah, Jake McNamara. So they put in Jake McNamara. Yeah, son of uh, Mister McNamara. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, a John Mulaney reference yeah. for you kids. Yeah, if you if you if that's all you have, I don't blame them for putting him in. But it's you're right. They, it shouldn't be. It just all shouldn't you have, have got to that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 even still, you make a move for Mazanic. Make another move. <laughs> <laughs> like, like sure. you know what I mean? Like, who who's in net right now? Is Markstrom. it Markstrom? Yeah. So, Markstrom was hit, hurt the other night. So, what if he gets hurt again? Then you have Mazanic and DiPietro. Yeah. You're back to where you sort of started. So, it's all right and it's coming along. We gotta get it right back to where we started from. Nice. Josh, Josh Levo. Levo in a tilt with Ryan Kessler. This, you know what? This is game's turning out to be all right. For two horrendous teams, I'm not hating this. Josh Levo squares off with his numerical counterpart. Oh, God. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Kenny Hitchcock. Ugh. Yeah, well, they're back They're back in the news, folks. The Oilers are back in the news. Um, Ken Hitchcock, this week, made a comment about how uh, the coaches can't want it more than the players. That's not true. Okay. Elaborate. We've, we've been coaches. Sure. I've wanted it more than my players. At the NHL level. Alright. The players. <laughs> like, I, I get, like, our players not wanting to, like, fight for the Robins Tournament Championship on, like, a Sunday in January at fucking Port Arthur Arena. Eh, if you're playing at fucking... What's that ring called? Rogers Place? Yeah. If you're playing at Rogers Place in front of one of the most dedicated fan bases in the league, I would, you know, give it my all every... I'd give it my all in warm-ups. You are where you are. You're in a playoff race. Be yeah, thankful. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with Hitchcock's statement. Like, I get no? what he's trying to say, but I just think he said it wrong. Okay, I might agree with you, but elaborate... Well, like, Ken Hitchcock should want it as much, if not more, than his players do. But he still needs his players to want it to a certain degree. Right? Like, like you can't be you can't be in the fourth line of the Edmonton Oilers knowing very well that Connor McDavid is the life bread of this franchise, and no matter what you do tonight, it's not gonna pale in comparison because Connor McDavid taped his stick funny that morning and your plus two performance with three blocked shots is going to go unnoticed in the grand scheme of things yeah it's kind of hard to go out there and and want it more than maybe your head coach but i see what he's saying like he needs more out of his players that maybe is what he should have said because like if 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 you don't want it more than the players ken hitchcock why did you take the job why did you come out of retirement? You could have sat on your fat ass and just reeled in the cash now, and 
Watch this team on TV. Listen, I don't, I don't know if he's on Atkins or he's looking great. Paleo, he's, I will say he's, that he's looking. It's not a thin much ass. better. All right. Well, eh. no, no. Uh, look, I I think what he was saying is these players are in the heart of a playoff race, and whether or not they're a good team, that doesn't matter. They're in an opportunity to get into the dance, and once you're at the dance, you might be able to entice the prettiest girl to tango with you i guess is that what is that what they do at dances is tango so, it's still a, a dance rapey. Ooh, okay <laughs> you might be able to um <laughs> once you're in the once he you're in the dance hall with you, the dj <laughs> once you're in the dance hall you might be able to win the dance competition like uma thurman and john travolta did nice how did i save that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the point, the point is that they're there, and I do agree with Ken Hitchcock in the sense that you know the guys have to be better; they have to show some sort of want to be there, and it can't just be Connor McDavid going in front of the media every night saying like you know we got to be better, and Ken Hitchcock goes in front of the media and says you know this is fucking unacceptable and all this shit, and like this vicious cycle needs to stop somewhere. And at some point, these other guys on this roster have to figure out a way to at least earn their spots in the NHL. Because I'm not going to lie to you. Like, this is one of those rosters, man. I have a hard time believing, I shit you not, that about 90% of these guys are in the league in four years. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's Dreisaitl McDavid, probably Nuge, Clefbaum, maybe Nurse. Oh, Nurse, yeah. Maybe. No, he'll be, he'll be there. He's getting worse already. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. There's there's not a lot there. Well, that's, that, and that's part of Lu, the problem. Lucic will be on the like, books, but <laughs> you 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 can only work with what your GM provides for you, right? So right. I think in a lot but of I cases, think... I think Hitchcock's getting the most he can out of the roster he has. And if you just have eighteen shit players, if I'm you have not, the eighteen worst players in the I'm league, not gonna with blame the best player in the league, then what are you expecting? Like, yeah. you can't expect more than oh, these guys can perform at. Okay, no, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I agree with Ken Hitchcock and that these guys have more to give, and if they don't start Do giving they? more, I don't think this. I don't think any of these guys get a second opportunity after the after they're done with the Oilers, because inevitably a lot of these guys are going to be done with the Oilers really fucking soon. Right, but like, I just I don't see more to get out of them. I think there's more. Yeah, these guys like a lot of these guys are people who contributed at an NHL level or got there. Like, you know what I mean? They got there. You got Cassian, you've got Kara, you've got Spooner, who's like a higher end prospect at one point. Um, you know, there's tons of guys like Petrovic's a guy that the fucking Panthers mortgaged their future to keep at one point. He's a guy who's his career. Like he's not going to be in the league in two years right now. Yeah. He, he like he's gonna get a one year one million after this deal's done, which I think he's got another year on still. And then if he's lucky, he's still around after that. He has a lot of fucking work to do to recover all the damage he's done. But and he's he not even in the lineup on this shitty I, team. I agree, but if he can't, then he can't. And we can't expect him to do things that he can't. I think these guys are capable, is what I'm saying. Okay. I'm not saying that this team. I'm not saying they're a good team. I'm saying there's more to give though. Okay. I think because right. the the I have I can't remember the last time I saw a team this fucking pitiful, man. Like like they'll it's just like 
the Senators genuinely don't have it. Like, the Senators are trying. They're having fun. They're trying. They're just really bad. Sure. The Oilers try, and then they just fuck off. Like, they just, they don't try. You can't tell me they try. Like, McDavid and these guys aside, they yeah. do try. But I, I you know. can't tell me they all do. They Like, a lot of them are just lost, man. Yeah. And whether it's, bro- they were broken down by McClellan, and broken down by Shirelli, and now they're even more broken down by Hitch, or whatever it is, I, I don't know. Uh, I saw an interesting report, too, that uh, I didn't listen to it, but apparently on 31 Thoughts today, while you were talking... Elliot Friedman uh, reported that there were rumblings out of Edmonton that Ken Hitchcock were to resign over the weekend, and he never did. Mm. I can't imagine what's going on behind closed doors in that I team. I can't man. imagine why he's still doing this. Like, uh, yeah, I don't like. I said I said it at the time. I really don't know why he wanted to do this. I guess it was a dream that the John Tavares effect, right? Right, but like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Fucking, you're one of the better coaches we've ever seen in the league, and you've barely made this team respectable for more than two weeks. So, sure. Yeah. What yeah. Are, What are you gonna do? I don't know. Poor, poor Hitch. Poor Edmonton. Now there are people I feel bad for in Edmonton, and there are people that I don't. And uh, one person I do not feel bad for in Edmonton is Mark Spector, who is uh, fucking like the head of the Professional Writers Association or something like that. He's up there. Um, Mark Spector is, for what it's worth, a Sportsnet journalist out of Edmonton. He is one of their writers. He's basically Ryan Rashog. And uh, Mark Spector on February 10th. Sunday? Is that Sunday? I think it was Sunday. Um, wrote an article, Ken Hitchcock feeling, sober, feeling sobering reality with... Oilers situation and the uh, his tweet when he tweeted out to share his own article was over the years we've watched every Oilers coach reach this point Hitchcock got there last night it's bigger than him the culture problem in Edmonton bigger than any of them ever think it is um, to which our good friend uh, friend of the show although we've never met him but Fucking Ryan Lambert's a, a great guy. Imagine being in the Yes Man local media and not realizing you're part of the culture problem. Uh, to which Mark Spector replied, sorry. Uh, and Ryan Lambert immediately responded, You liked the Hall trade. You liked the Lucic signing. And as 115th were saying he's providing hope, he can turn it around. You still back Chris Russell as a valuable piece. You said Ken Hitchcock was the perfect hire. You're about, your about face on all is, let's say, conveniently timed. Uh, obviously, this sparked a massive sort of media war between Lambert and kind of the smart side of the media and Mark Spector and the toxic Edmondson side of the media to sort of try to defend their position that the Edmonton media does not have much to do with the culture problem in Edmonton, to which I would respond if I were involved. That is a large part of the reason why Hall was traded, as far as we know. There was allegedly behind-the-scenes things going on, but we don't actually know that. That came from the media. Eberly was run out of town because he was supposedly 
not a valuable piece, which we don't actually know that. That was kind of from the media. Like, the media has the habit of just kind of finding the scapegoat, much the way Toronto media does. And, look, it's the management's problem for listening to a lot of these narratives. But eh, the media is not without its fault in Edmonton. Because Edmonton media is among the worst in the league, if not the worst, in terms of their toxic, anti-team sort of perspectives. Not all of them, and it's not all the time. But Spectre says shit like this all the time. Where, you know, this is above Hitchcock, and like he fucking thought months ago that Hitchcock was a perfect hire and would turn this team around, and now all of a sudden, because it's going wrong, like, they just kind of follow the way the team's going, pick a scapegoat, and then that's how to make the team better. Any different than, like, Phil Kessel and his hot dog? No, it's like Toronto Media, like I said. Right. Like, so, like, like I would Spectre's argue that each like local kind of thing. media have these problems. And it's yeah. easy for Ryan Lambert, who doesn't work for a team, to sit back and pick out the problems that are occurring in different cities and it's fair to be an outside observer but if your job is to be a journalist for a specific team should you not be able to approach it both ways in the sense that you can watch the game and pick apart like to to me this is an issue of a guy who has journalistic ability but almost no hockey sense inspector like the it's almost like these are guys who just don't watch the games and are able to just kind of you know, pick out a guy and pick out a scapegoat. Like, I do agree, like, the Phil Kessel... Phil Kessel got run out of town in Toronto. I think it happens less in Toronto, where these guys get picked on and run out. Mind you, Toronto's had less good players than Edmonton's had in the last 10 years, which is kind of a fucked up thing to say, considering how good Toronto is right now. But I think there's something to be said for that sort of attitude in Edmonton, because I think it's way worse there than anywhere else. And it's almost all of them a lot of the time because these anti-player campaigns seem to just fucking like just unbelievably brew themselves in Edmonton the way that they don't seem to in Calgary like James Neal's horrible there's no anti-James Neal like granted though Flames are winning but there's like you know what I mean no one's trying to run James Neal out of town in Calgary people don't try to run guys out of town in Calgary it doesn't seem to happen quite as often in a lot of these other cities. Toronto's bad, but, you know. I think it's always bad when you're losing. Like, you look at Ottawa, and there's a lot of problems in Ottawa. And you look at Anaheim, and there was so much desire to, you know, fire the coach. And a lot, of, I think a lot of where these reporters get their, their basis for their stories is what the fans want. Like... Did any fan I think there's a difference to hiring between... Ken Hitchcock when they hired Ken Hitchcock? I would say no. There was a, oh. a, a need for a change. Ken Hitchcock, the third most winningest NHL coach in NHL history, wants to come coach my team. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm not going to say no at this point. We're we're probably already out of it. We're close enough that maybe this guy can can save it for us. Okay, uh, how many Oilers fans were downplaying the loot sheets shining the day it happened? Probably not a lot. I would imagine. Like, coming coming off the season he was having, yes, it was an overpayment. Every July 1st is an overpayment. So, 
again, like if, if all the fans are beating the drum and yeah, okay, this is good. Then the media is going to write a story that appeals to the fans that are going to pay to buy the media that gives these guys their dinner at night. So when the season goes to shit and the fans realize that Hitchcock isn't working or Lucic is shit. Now we got to write the story that says Lucic is shit and Ken Hitchcock isn't working so that I can sell my story so I can put dinner on my table at the end of the day. But the fan, well, fuck Don't, don't even start with dinner on the table with Mark Spector though. That's a different fucking issue. It has nothing to do with him trying to pay his bills. Like he's a lowly fucking writer, but you know, if you didn't like the Lucic signing, that's fine. You're allowed to like it. You're allowed to not like it. If you like the Hitchcock signing, good for you, whatever. But the issue for me is that the fans don't need you to regurgitate what they just saw in the fucking hockey game tonight and spin that as a big picture issue all the time. Like, if Hitchcock sucks, they don't need to tell like them to tell you that Hitchcock sucks, even though you thought Hitchcock was a good idea months ago. And because they're losing games... It doesn't necessarily mean that every player that's on the team while they're losing games is bad all the time. Now, granted, this is a terrible team, and they're all fucking bad. But, like, years ago, was Eberle the issue? Was Hall the issue? And, like, I don't really think a lot of people were sitting here saying, trade them, trade that. I thought trading Eberle, like I will say, I thought it was a decent idea. But uh, never for what they got for him. Like, at no point was that ever a smart trade, other than you save money but you definitely get worse. Like, it's just to me, like, everyone was on Everly's ass. Everyone was on Sam Gagne's ass. And Gagne was, like, a decent player, but 40, 50 points. Yeah, okay, he's not 70, 80-point guy. You're not paying him to be that. It's just these guys get consistently driven out of town. I don't think it's fair to them, and I think it's a toxic media thing that just continues to get recycled in Edmonton. To sell it to your fans, if they want to read certain things... Look, there's always going to be the anti-Lucic piece. There's always going to be the anti-this signing, anti-that signing. There's enough media out there in hockey, even though it's a smaller sport. You can read your your glorifying your own opinion piece if that's what you really are looking for at the end of the day. I'm just saying it shouldn't come from every member of the media all the time as some sort of a clown campaign to try to run the team. So and it, it's not we, like it doesn't happen. So how do we sports. decide who gets to write the stories then? They all can I just think it's bizarre that this all happens in Edmonton and it's kind of run by this guy who seems to think he has this like superiority aspect when in fact he is often wrong. Often. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I like I don't know. Like it, it's an entertainment business people want to buy it then I don't I don't see what the problem is with writing it. Yeah, that, like if if the GM no, my issue if is not the GM is it incompetent enough to listen to what the media is saying and dictate well, how he's going to structure the one team. thing the one thing that's never going to change and maybe my my sole point with this too is that in certain markets the gm's usually not stupid enough to buy this stuff the guy who is is the owner and as these pieces continue to come out like daryl cates is going to read these pieces about his team he's probably going to buy it because he doesn't know a lot about his own team i mean like sorry i shouldn't say that he doesn't know a lot about the on-ice product. Of sure. His so is that Mark Spector's fault? Kind of. It's Mark Spector's fault that a multi-billionaire doesn't know how the thing he owns works. I think when Mark Spector just continually tries to spin things as negative... To sell It's kind product. of his fault, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Because right. all you're talking is about is tabloids now. It's just tabloids. Where, you know what I mean, you can call this this actress fat all the time just to eat it up because she's, you know what I mean, like, you can just sell this bullshit over and over again. Yeah, so when the actress's husband breaks up with her because he believes the thing that the media guy's writing, like, that, that's, not a, that's not a scenario. That's not something that should happen, right? No. No. So Daryl Cates should know how to run. Daryl Cates isn't Daryl Cates isn't the husband, he's society in this analogy. <laughs> Alright. I'm I'm getting a little lost with the analogies here, yeah. but I don't know. I d I don't see it. Like you have a job, do your job. If your job is working for you, then fine. Like I I, I don't see what the problem is. Look again, maybe I got a little backed up. I'm not I'm not saying Mark Spector shouldn't do his job. I just think it's ridiculous for him not to admit that he's part of the problem because he is for sure. He's not on the team, but he's part of the problem. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like even it goes to the report too. Like even that Hitchcock was supposed to resign over the weekend. Like that is also possibly a very negative thing that is going to contribute to m- more negativity down the road. You know what I mean? And whether or not it's true, if it's true, it's true. But if it's not true, then. Yeah. Well, you know, it's false reporting, but yeah, it's and, impossible and to weed that it's, shit it's out. It's just it's... tough because, like, we're we're in the we're in the media age where everyone has like, there's no more reliance on watching the six o'clock news anymore because we've all got information at the tips of our fingers as it happens. Oh, God. So the desire to get the story <laughs> out pay first me to watch the news is like at an all time high now. So as soon as there's a whisper that this might happen, boom, someone has to write it, and that guy's gonna be wrong fifty percent of the time. And that's not really his fault. It's the market and the need to know information that the fans clamor for that results in this guy having to make a decision whether or not to publish a story or not, knowing full well someone else will do it if he doesn't. And yeah, okay, you're going to be wrong half the time. And it ha- I think it happens in every market. And with Edmonton, it's being blown out of proportion because they're in a shitty situation. They're losing. They've got the Conrad David factor going for them. They've got everything else going against them. They're in a high market with a lot of attention. And I think it's just like being oversaturated at this point. The the same problems probably exist in Florida, but we don't hear about them because 8,000 people go to every game. So like that many people give a shit compared to, you know, 5 million. Compare another team because Florida's got ridiculous issues. No, my point is that it happens with every team. I'm like just, Carolina? Sure, Carolina. Okay, better. Yeah. <laughs> Florida can't even be talked about, man. Like, that's just, that's insane. <laughs> right, like, well, it is ridiculous. Yeah, like, Carolina's one Mark Spector is probably doing the exact same bullshit in sure. Carolina. And dun, problem dun, is there's not a hundred Mark Spectors all writing the same thing in Carolina. Right? Sure, that's but you don't need because there's no there's no market for it in Carolina. No, it's, but that's what I'm saying, right? That, like, that's the difference. Per capita, or if you want to ratio it out, it's probably the same. There's just not as many fans. There's not people following Carolina Maybe. as there is Edmonton. Yeah, so it's, it's the same degree of you know negativity based on the market that's demanding for the product. Yeah, I, I don't agree, but that, that's okay. All right. uh, we're going to run out of time for the Senators talk here, probably. Uh, unless you had some things you wanted to say. About the Senators? Sending, spending close to the cap, between 20 and 25. Yeah, I think every team should be doing that every season, so I don't I don't, I don't, don't know why this is breaking news. I think 2021 is incredibly optimistic. Sure. 
I mean, they got some big contracts to have to hand Holy out, I guess. Holy fuck, that's... To who? Kachuk. Oh, true. Yeah, I guess got, by then. Yeah. Shabbat. They got some yeah. younger guys that okay. they have to pay, but... I thought you meant, like, now. I'm oh, like, well, no, who? not quite. Fucking Anders Nilsson. Yeah, no, I hope not. Uh, yeah, I think he's still on his big contract. Okay. Well, that's enough for this week. Uh, well, for the main part. Top ten. Top ten. Top ten. Top ten. Uh, also featuring a quiz for you. Uh, that's right. So, this week, we're doing the top ten actresses in Oscar performing performances. Just like we did last week with the, the actors. <laughs> we, we are doing uh, the top 10 best lead actresses since 1979. What did I say? I was just a little more confusing. Right. That's all. That's fair. You're good. Okay. So, this will, this will take 30 seconds because it's, it's not like a, a breakdown of 10 or kill lyrics or anything like that. But I, I, want, I want it. We're going back to 1979 in which Meryl Streep received her very first Oscar nomination. Uh, 1979's The Deer Hunter. Uh, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She did not win. Okay. Fast forward 40 years. Okay. Didn't she win in 78 for... Or 79 for Kramer vs. Kramer? Technically she won in 80. Kramer versus Kramer came out in 79. She won in the 1980 oh. Academy Awards for Kramer vs. Kramer. In any case. I don't know how Kramer versus Kramer won Best Picture in 79, then. Oh, interesting. I'm not sure. I'm just going with the, the information I have. I'll have to call one of the Kramers. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, working from 1979 until the present day, uh, what is the most amount of years Meryl Streep has gone without receiving a nomination at the Oscars? Ooh. Well, she's got uh, 17 total. <laughs> so... Uh, God, I'm going to say four years. Four is correct. Yeah. Uh, from 1992 to 1995, she did not receive a nomination. That is the most at one span, which is just mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. Consider it's, it's insane. Acting in, in its modern form. Yeah. Uh, despite that, only three wins. I, I thought she had more than that. Yeah. So, that's sad. It's, it's not easy to win. It's you know? not. It's not easy. No. Good for her for winning three. Yeah. <laughs> She'll probably end up with four or five by the time it's all said and done. You'd have to think. How old is she now? I'm going to guess 66. 69? Somewhere in there. Uh, Meryl Streep is 69. Nice. 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 Um, okay. Yeah, our top ten leading ladies since 1979. Jameson, you have the honors. Oh, yes. Uh, number ten for me. My girl Sandy B. In uh, 2009's The Blind Side. Okay. Yeah. This is... I mean, I'm going to come clean. I haven't seen a lot of these performances, so uh, my top ten is actually just the ten that I've seen. So I mean, for what it's worth, I, I watched two of the movies on my list this week just because I wanted to make sure I understood it within the zeitgeist of cinema. No no shame in that. Yeah. I, I did not have that ability. Oh, yeah, so, I, I had... Yeah. I had plenty of time. There you go. Slow season at work, eh? So right. I got lots of time on my hands. Fair enough. Okay. Um, any particular reason? You just no, just a, a, a very a very well rounded performance. Um, memorable, uh, heartwarming story. It's heartwarming. I'll give you that. Um, my number ten is Julia Roberts in uh, two thousand uh, as Aaron Brockovich, the uh, the. The pretty woman. 
She was pretty woman. Yes. Yep. She. Uh, yeah. Big mistake. Huge. You yeah. work on commission, don't you? Yeah. Do. Uh, yeah. I don't know. She's fantastic. It's. Um, it's one of the few movies that I've seen Julia Robertson, and I was able to like get into it hmm. because uh, I feel like since I was a kid, every time I've watched Julia Roberts in a role, I can just sit there and be like, "Ah, this is Julia Roberts." The whole time, I can never get into her characters. I just, I just think it's Julia Roberts all the time, hmm. except Aaron Brockovich. She's definitely Aaron Brockovich there. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, number nine for me. We're going back to 1989 with Jessica Tandy in Driving Miss Daisy. Oh boy. The oldest Whew. actress to win <laughs> best actress at the Oscars. I like. I like how this is just going to be you ranking the ten movies you've seen. Whew, woof. I mean, she's not, she's not horrible, but... She's a lovely 84-year-old woman. I, yeah. To pull that off at 84, I hope I hope I can get out of bed and shake my own yeah, dick at 84. I'm sure, I don't imagine I'll... What'd you say? <laughs> First off, you got no spleen. You'll be... Yeah, exactly. You'll be lucky to shake exactly. your own... So, Jessica Tandy... I won't be around. Hats off to you. I won't be around, I That's hope. Fair. I hope not couple beers sure if i'm still around i'll have a few uh my number nine is a movie i don't think you've seen because you definitely hadn't seen it like a month ago so um 2004 hillary swank million dollar baby all right still no no okay you'll get around two-time winner yeah 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 thank you for mentioning that so uh what can you tell me about hillary swank in Million Dollar Baby? Yeah. She does a fantastic job playing a absolutely ferocious character. Um, yeah, it, it, it is a, it's a tough movie to watch at points. Clint Eastwood is kind of an asshole, but kind of good. And Hilary Swank's got a tough personal life that, you know, she kind of grapples with. But uh, it, it's a great movie. Hilary Swank delivers yet again. Nice. Nice. Number good nine. Good for Hilary. Hillary Swank. Uh, number eight. A movie that I do not like, that I have gone on record saying I do not like on this podcast. Um, Even better. Jennifer Lawrence, uh, 2012 Silver Linings Playbook. Wow. That acceptance, tripping up the stairs. So memorable. Such grace. Jennifer Lawrence. I do love Jennifer Lawrence. That's... <laughs> Oh shit! Should we listen to Berkey here? Hang on, just in case we get a soundbite. Well, he and Randy are close friends. They've worked together before. Obviously, oh, both guys. It's be hard to fuck up and fire Randy Carlisle. So this was a difficult time for Bob Murray, but I always thought Bob Murray would make a good coach. I told him. That. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there it is. We would have given him a shot to start him with our American League team, and he said no. I think Bob would have made a great coach. Oh, man. Oh, it's too late there, Brian. I think you'll see them trying to get back to the DNA of the successful Ducks teams, which includes a much more physical approach to things. Let's pick up on... Do you you like Brian Burke as an analyst? No. No? Not at all? Not at all. He, He, like, I don't know if it's because he's on Sportsnet and I have to grapple with the other idiots so it makes him seem smart. 
or like I genuinely think that just all hockey analysts are starting to go downhill in terms of like the Canadian coverage, but like, I don't know. I don't hate him. He says a lot of things I disagree with, but like I do kind of, he does say things in the right way a lot of times. Yeah, I don't like him. Okay, fair enough. Sorry. So you were you were number eight, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. Yeah, JLL. Silver Linings Playbook yeah. from what twenty twelve. Yeah, that was. That's it. Uh, my number eight is uh, nineteen eighty seven. Share and Moonstruck. Nice. Do you believe in love? Nice. She doesn't sing that song no, in the I movie, didn't but so. uh, I hadn't seen it, so you she fool me. she. Oh God, you haven't seen that movie? No. She is fantastic in that film. Um. I mean, didn't start the trend of, like, singers acting, but I think she's kind of the one example that there is for sure where you can look back and be like, you know, you can't necessarily say that someone's only a singer and they can't act. You know what I mean? Cher brought it in that movie. Arguably could be higher. I just like the other seven performances better uh, because she's widely considered to be one of the better acting performances of all time. So, Cher and Moonstruck... No, nothing gets me off like watching someone slap Nicolas Cage. Wow, a lot of things, right. a lot of things do that's, for sure. But that's a lot to take in. Yeah, whatever. We're gonna shelve that for another day. L- listen, this is the second podcast we've had to do today. Like, we've been doing a lot of talking. Yeah. I've said a lot of things. All right. Well, I won't waste your time. Uh, number seven, Emma Stone from La La Land. Nice. Yeah. Just a, a lovely little performance. She won for that. She did. Twenty sixteen. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Not saying she shouldn't. I no. just forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Girls, girls got pipes, you know. Yeah. Well, jewels from the party. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Some goldschlick. Goldschlick vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Bet she doesn't drink. No, it's for her friends. Oh no! Oh, you the, got the, the goldschlick is for. Or, uh, well, it's Becky. for Becca, but yeah, yeah. like. You gotta get me some Kyle's Killer Lemonade. Okay, that's pretty gay, but I'll get it for you. And she's just, like, shrugging. She's like, alright. Mint. Her reaction's the funniest part of that. Is like, that blonde girl just shrugs at uh, Jonah Hill. We're talking about 2008's Superbad, in which she won an Academy Award. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, My number six? Seven? Seven. 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 Uh, 2014, Julianne Moore in Still Alice. She plays a uh, uh, writer or a professor. Someone is this a Alice in Wonderland sequel? No. Oh God, no! If it is, it's really fucked up. <laughs> um, she, she, more fucked up than Alice in Wonderland for sure. Uh, no, she plays a um, uh, like a early, lady in her early fifties with early onset Alzheimer's, and basically her career and her life is dedicated uh, for what she can do with her brain. And she basically just watches herself fall apart. And, uh, listen, it is... If you th- if you think it sounds gripping, it's pretty fucking gripping, man. It's quite the watch. Uh, definitely be in the mood. Uh, I would. It's one of those movies I would suggest watching at, like, 2 p.m. in the afternoon so you don't go to bed all sad. Or you got more day to kind of perk you back up. Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough watch, but she is amazing in it, and... Julianne Moore, number seven. Fair enough. Uh, number six, Reese Witherspoon from 2005, Walk the Line. As Rose Carter. Rose Cash. June, no? Rose June? Just June. June. I don't think Rose is involved at all. All right. Johnny Cash's wife. 
Yeah, it's June June Carter. <laughs> June Cash. Um, June Carter right. Cash. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Reese. Great job. <laughs> oh fuck! Give me a heads up next time if you're if you're running a little low on. Uh, <laughs> No, honestly, you know what though? Uh, like, at least we're at this point of your top ten. Uh, she was a late cut. She would have been like thirteenth or fourteenth for yeah. me. She was very good. We're in the lightning round for sure. Sure. So, all right. Well, that's yeah. good. Uh, I'll go. I'll go a little quicker here, so you can talk a little more next time around if you want. Nineteen ninety six. We got Francis McDormand in Fargo. Nice. Um, I would say my favorite performance on the list. Possibly my favorite performance by an actress ever. It's up there. Uh, well, I'm a big Viola Davis guy. But, I mean, in I, terms of winners, yeah, I, I love Frances McDormand in Fargo. Uh, she's great. See, now, Viola Davis should have won Best Lead Actress for Fences instead of Supporting Actress, because she was the lead actress, but she won Supporting Actress somehow. Uh, that would have given me another uh, movie on my list, but uh, sadly, no. Somehow, she's not the lead in that film, so I don't, I don't mm. get it. So the Academy's fucked. I'm so sorry. Yeah, thank you. Uh, number five for me: uh, Holly Hunter, 1993, The Piano. Okay. Yeah. Anytime you have to play. Uh, Now's uh, the time for. Oh, you well, to... uh, just anytime you have to play somebody with a with a disability. It's, What's it's what, which one's the piano? That's the one where the the lady's got the daughter, but she's uh, she's deaf. Oh yeah. So she plays the piano. For a second, I I mix up Harvey the titles. Harvey in it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mix up the titles, not the movies, but I mix up the titles with Shine. So I thought you were talking about the Jeffrey Rush movie where he's playing the piano. Uh, I'm like, oh, Adrian Brody, the the, the idiot. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. I guess there's three of them. Yeah. Holly Hunter's fantastic. She is. She should have got a nomination last year yeah. for the for the Big Sick, but she didn't. Okay. That's fair. Whatever. Yeah. What happens? Uh, my turn. Uh, yes. Okay, Thank now, you. Uh, my number, I don't know, I'm zoned five. out. Five. My number five, 1991, Jodie Foster, Signs of the Lambs, oh. Clarice Starling. Mm. Clarice. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yes. Do the, do the lambs still scream, Clarice? See, it'd, it'd be more uh, gripping if you could give us a quote from Clarice herself. Dr. Lecter? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dr. Lecter? Dr. Lecter. Yeah, I don't know, she's great. She does a great job in that movie. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Have you seen, now, a little quick sidebar. Have you seen the Life in Pieces, um, Silence of the Lambs thing? No. Where, uh, you know, Sam, the the older daughter? Yeah. She's auditioning for the school play. And uh, the school play is a musical version of <laughs> Silence <laughs> of the Lambs. And she gets cut as Clarice Starling. So they want to know why. So Heather and I think it's Matt go to the go to like the rehearsal and they like try to get her and compare her with the person who won. And the girl who won can't sing, but she's like a decent actor. And Sam goes up and she sings and she's phenomenal. And then the scene ends with Sam doing her Clary Starling accent, and it's like the wrong accent. Like it's I don't mean like it's bad. I mean it, it's it it instead of like. A southern accent, she's doing like a Boston accent. It's like not even close. It's like the fucking absolute wrong part of the country kind of accent. Oh, it's, but you gotta hear the songs and like there's so many like <laughs> Silence of the Lambs jokes. Like it is, it's amazing. For those of you who don't know Life in Pieces, you gotta watch it. Proud sponsor of the podcast at this point. Yeah. 
right. Okay. Well, number four, um, Natalie Portman for Black Swan. This may be the first comparative top ten where we don't have any of the same names. We'll see. I I can confirm that's wrong. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I... I, uh... (laughs) Yeah, come on. Give us something here. Uh... A haunting performance from Natalie Portman in this one. Uh, That's actually a good description. Yeah, I I loved it. I didn't didn't see that coming out of Natalie Portman. I don't know. I never took her to be that that type of Natalie range Portman. Actress. Well, I mean, like I, I'm like ten years too late on the party on this one. But yeah, Natalie Portman is a fantastic actress. Like unbelievable. Oh yeah, big fan. Jackie Onassis, yeah. crazy. There you go. That was crazy. Fuck yeah. Queen Amadella. Who? Star Wars. Mm. <laughs> I'm not familiar with her character. I know she's in it, but what's her name? Queen Amidala, or Padme. She's the mother of Luke Skywalker. I've never heard of this person. <laughs> I mean, like, like as someone who I've seen Star Wars and I've seen her in it. All right. I've never heard that character's name. Okay, that's it's who she is. Who plays Darth Maul? Uh, some. Karate guy, I don't know his name. Nice. Yeah, it's probably Andy Circus. They brought him back for the uh, the solo movie. I don't know. I know you mentioned you didn't see the solo movie. No, I still haven't. They brought that guy back. And and spoiler alert, I still haven't seen it by the February eighteenth bonus episode. Ah, nice. Yeah. Um. Okay. Your number four, Black Swan. Natalie Portman. Uh, my number four, Kathy Bates, nineteen ninety Misery. Sure. She, she crazy. Is that the one about that crazy chick, the the killer? Yeah, that's why I said she's crazy. That's the one, yeah, James Conn's a writer, he wrecks his car, and then uh, Kathy Bates takes him in, and turns yeah. out to be this super obsessed fan that kind of caused the accident. Yeah. So she's like, oh, have you never seen Misery? No. Otherwise it'd be on my list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it would be, actually. Uh, okay, do do yourself a favor. Watch Misery. Well, I was going to say tonight. You can't. Watch Misery when you... Fly home? Get back from Toronto or when you're traveling to or from Toronto. Sounds good. Yeah, it's great. You'll you'll like it. Okay. It's a horror movie. Stephen King. Ah. Yeah, it's good. Stephen. Stephen. I mean, he didn't do the movie, but he wrote the story. Nice. Yeah. All okay. Right. Uh, number three. Um, Miss Clarice. Jodie Foster. Clarice. Number 991. Dr. Lad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll work on my Clary Starling for next week. Maybe I'll get a role in the Science of the Lambs musical. I don't know. I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd prefer to play someone not Clary's. Okay. Like, a, a male part would be easier for me to play, but if I... <laughs> like, I'd prefer not to have to shave my beard. So I feel like it's just down to, like, Buffalo Bill for me at this point. <laughs> get away from my dog! <laughs> Yeah, you got it. It puts the lotion on its skin. <laughs> um, that'd be a great musical. Yeah. Number three, which I will confess I hadn't seen until last night. But it seemed interesting and I wanted to watch it. And okay, I'm all in on her for sure. Uh, 2003, Charlize Theron for Monster. Mm. That is... Oh. That's the one I was thinking of. Which the one? The crazy chick, the murderer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense, too. Yeah. Then. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, she plays the hooker that kills for fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, unbelievable, right. man. Like, sure. it's, it's like last week when we got down to the final three or four. Like, it's the same thing for the women here where it's just like, it, 
they're all three of these are unbelievable. The next three I or the next two I have, but like, it might be one of the best acting performances of all time. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Charlie's Theron for Monster. Sure. Uh, number two, Francis McDermott for Fargo. Uh, and I There's will, more I, to life than a little money, you know. I will. I will note this. Uh, I have not. This. This is the only instance where I, I have not seen the follow-up uh, Oscar performance in which. Um, Frances wins her latest Oscar. I have, I have yet to see Three Billboards. You haven't so. seen Three Billboards? No. I downloaded it, just never got around to watching it. Yeah, you probably don't need to at this point. Oh, okay. I mean, the acting's great. The script's not good, ah. but the acting is fantastic. Yeah, one, three of them, didn't it? Rockwell. Two. Just, I think. just Rockwell and Just McDermott? Rockwell and McDormand. Who's the lead? I thought the lead. Well, Woody Harrelson was nominated for Best Supporting as well. There's oh. no lead actor in the movie. Oh, okay. And then I don't think there's a supporting actress either. Um, okay. Yeah. My number two is uh, 1999, Hillary Swank, Boys Don't Cry. Our second appearance from Hillary this evening. Yeah. Hillary Swank plays a, uh, a transgender man in the South in the early 90s. It's a, it's a true story. And um, who basically, once they find out that he is pre-operation and still has female body parts that uh, they don't take too kindly for it, and then they kill her. Him. Yeah, I got dark pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, it's not a it's not a light movie. I mean, it has some funny parts, obviously, but um, she is spectacular in that film. It was her breakthrough role. Like, she'd been in things, but that was the first, like, major thing, and uh, 100% she deserved an Academy Award for it. It is one of the more... Like, they've done documentaries about it. It's tied together with, like, the the Matthew Shepard murders in the early 90s, the Laramie Project, but, um, yeah, it's an interesting sort of Fair thing. So, uh, I alluded to at the beginning of this that I, I'd only seen 10, um, and we're at my number one. Do you have any idea what is left on my list at number one? I haven't been paying attention to nah, what ones you've used nah, yet. No, um, shit. <laughs> it's one of two movies, but I gotta decide. I'm going to guess... Brie Larson in Room. No. Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice. No. Jesus, I <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. Julia Roberts, uh, 2000. Oh Aaron shit! Brockovich. I wasn't expecting that. There you go. Okay. Num- number one. Boom. Julia. Let's go. Wrap it up. She done. Oh, that's all you got. Well. <laughs> You got no. You don't even want to comment well, on the greatest uh, yeah. acting performance. Well, she was just. Uh, it was one of my first films I ever saw, where I recall. <laughs> I I should hope not. <laughs> that, that that'd be like me being like, yeah, I watched Monster when it came out when you know, you know I was ten years old. No, honestly, I remember what because it, it got all this hype, and I was ten years old, and yeah, I guess we so. watched it. And it was what it was the first movie I can recall watching where it was a female uh, led performance. Yeah, and it was like it was really good. I didn't understand a lick of what was going on, but I thought it was really good. And then I went back years later, and it was on TV or whatever, some some something like that. Yeah. And I, I gave it another go, and it, it held up then. And um, I've I've not loved everything that Julia Roberts has done. I do. I, I will say I like her performances overall, and I think this was like sure. the pinnacle of her career. And uh, you know she okay. rightfully uh, got it got it right. So 
Good for her. Yeah. Okay. Good for Aaron Brockovich. That's true. Yeah. Uh, all right. There's your number one. Uh, my number one is Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice, 19, oh, all 1982. Right. All right. Meryl Streep. Yeah. It's uh, how we got to know Meryl Streep the way we do now. Um, uh, I don't know. It might, might be the best acting performance ever. Could be. <laughs> like in a leading role, I would say. Like there's a, like here's one thing that was kind of interesting doing this exercise these past two weeks was that... There is arguably more supporting performances that have blown me away than lead performances. Because, like, it's one thing to prepare for a role that, you know what I mean, you're making a lot of money for and you're, like, you're the film's title role. It's another thing to, like, prepare for 11 lines the way that people prepare for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks for a play or something. You know what I mean? And I have total respect for people that do sort of these background roles. And I find the supporting roles fascinating, but um, it's not to take anything away from the lead roles. I mean, fuck, these people are what make the movie what they are. But, yeah. Yeah, and once again, we talked about, like, Viola Davis, where it's it, it can be kind of fickle with where they land in terms yeah, of... Yeah, you and I have had this discussion on the podcast a few weeks now, and, like, I I'm not going to lie, I looked into it last night. I still really can't find any concrete rules as to what makes a a supporting and lead actress other than like, it's just someone not billed first as far as I can understand. Hmm. Like it just seems like a film has a leading actor and that's it, which I don't think is always true either. No. You know what I mean? But I I don't know. It's, it's hard to decipher, but whatever. It It is what it is. It is an enigma. The Academy. Sure. Yes. Kind of like a milkshake. You never know what's in there. Yes. Until you drink it up. Yes. Yes. All right, that's all you stop for this week. Um, follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Um, our bonus episode will be out on Monday, Family Day, February 18th. I think that's it, actually. And remember, just because you're alone today doesn't mean Jesus you'll be alone Christ. forever. You think people are gonna listen to the whole episode tomorrow? Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be way more funny if people are like listening to it when they're like getting ready to start going out on like Friday night, and it's like just because you're alone forever doesn't mean you'll be alone for eternity. Just take it easy on those chocolate hearts, and you know, you know, if if you're looking for love, you don't want to be looking. No, no, finish that. That's a good soundbite. I I need the rest of that, and then we're just gonna end the episode on that note. If you're looking for love, if you're looking what? for love, you don't want to be looking objectionable. No, that doesn't work.